man, I, I'm excited to share the word with you tonight. As we get started, here's what I need you to do. I need you to find Genesis chapter 12. And once you find Genesis chapter 12, I need you to find Genesis chapter 15. And once you find Genesis chapter 15, I need you to find Joshua chapter 3. And once you find Joshua chapter 3, I need you to find Acts chapter 20. Once you find Acts chapter 20, I need you to find 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So one more time, just so everybody makes sure that we get it. Genesis chapter 12, then Genesis chapter 15, then Joshua chapter 3, Acts chapter 20, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And yes, indeed, it's going to be a wild night. We're launching into a brand new series of studies together called Scared to Death, where we're going to be discussing in particular the subject of fear. How many of you, how many of you have ever been afraid before? Show of hands. How many of you have ever been Everybody in this room has been afraid at some point in time. Whether you were afraid of making a move, whether you were afraid from a movie, it is fixing to be the Halloween season. Some of you guys are like fear seekers for whatever reason. Not cool, man. It's not cool to be scared. Get off of that stuff. They don't need to go to haunted houses and corn mazes and guys with chainsaws and stuff jumping out in front. That's not fun. How do people find that fun? I don't, I don't find fear to be fun. But all of us at some point in time have, have been afraid. Obviously, fear is something that we all experience and we all have to deal with. But, you know, some fear can be good. Some fear can be healthy. There are uh, good fears out there that warn us of impending dangers. So if you're like me and you're afraid of heights, then fear is a good thing because you're not going to get so close to the edge of the cliff that you're going to fall off the side of it. So some fear can be good. Fear behind the vehicle of a car can be a good thing. To have a respect for that machine and for the other people that are out on the road, it can be a, a good kind of fear that helps you exercise caution and protects you from dangerous things. The book of Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So there is a healthy kind of fear that we need to have towards God and His awesomeness and His righteousness and His holiness and His justice. There's a healthy fear that we can have of God Almighty Himself and the way in which He desires for us to conduct our lives here on the earth. But a lot of times fear in the way we experience it is bad. And it's unhealthy. It can paralyze you. Fear can cripple you. Fear can isolate you. Fear is, whether you've ever noticed it or not, fear is the root cause of your anxiety. Fear is the root cause of your stress. Fear is the root cause of your worry. Fear can torment you mentally on a level that nothing else can. Fear has the potential to rob you completely of your joy. All of these reasons is why our adversary, the devil, and his demons love to play on fear when they can find it somewhere in our lives. When I was a kid, me and one of my buddies had this weird game that we would play with each other. and We would, we would take a rope, and what we would do is one of you would tie the other person up. And the whole goal was for you to try and escape. And if you weren't able to escape, then you lost the game, and the person who tied you up won. Now stop looking at me like I'm weird, as if y'all didn't do 
weird stuff when you were kids like that as well. All of us in here during our childhood years had some kind of weird games that we played with our buddies, all right? This was our weird game. I don't know where we got it from. I don't know why we did it. Well, we thought it was fun, and so we would tie each other up, and we would do the best that we can, and then you would have a certain amount of time to try and get yourself free, and if you couldn't, you lost the game. But it was essential that you found a good, strong rope, one that would make it as difficult as possible to get away from, and a rope with a lot of strands, a rope with a lot of cords. That was the one that you wanted to use because the more strands a rope has, the stronger that rope is. And I see fear as being similar to rope. Now, I know we're just getting started, but listen to me because this is good stuff. This is why, you know, I got the table out this week because I feel like when I'm behind the podium, I'm preaching. When we get the table out, I'm ready to do some teaching. So these next few weeks, I want to teach you guys some stuff about fear. And this is good stuff. This is stuff that God began to reveal to me that I had never seen in ways before. I see fear like this rope. Fear like this rope can have many different strands to it. And when they're all woven together, it can be an extremely strong bondage to break or shake loose from. But this rope, with as many strands as it has, and as strong as it is when they're woven together, if you begin to take the individual strands of this rope and you begin to pull them and tear them apart, the more you begin to do that, the weaker and weaker this rope begins begins to get, and it becomes a lot easier for you to shake loose and break free from. That's exactly what I want us to do with fear over the next few weeks. Fear has a lot of different strands to it. And over the next few weeks, we're going to start pulling some of those strands apart in order to make the grip of fear in our lives a lot less weaker and a lot, less, and a lot more easier for us to break loose and shake free from. You know, a search of the Scriptures in their entirety would reveal that somewhere between 150 to 200 times God's word says something to the effect of do not fear do not be afraid be courageous and that tells me that fear is one of the strongest most regular emotions that we experience and feel throughout life and also tells me that fear is captive in its nature it has the ability to sees us it has the ability to control us at any given moment but it also tells me that we have the ability through God to control and conquer it so let's start pulling these strands apart one by one Genesis chapter 12 we're going to start in verse 1 and just going to have to hang with me a little bit because we're going to see a few different scenarios right out of the gate and we're going to go back and pick them apart Together, Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, says, Now the Lord said to Abram, or Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions and they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Skip over to Joshua chapter 3. Real quick, Joshua chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, God's word says this, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. You want to make sure that you use the long I. Right there, trust me. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. 
At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. And then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. And so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And now skip over to Acts chapter 20 with me real quick. Acts chapter 20. We'll pick up there in verse 17. God's word reads here, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, this is Paul that we're talking about here, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The first strand of fear that I want us to pull out tonight is our fear of the unknown. Our fear of the unknown. Humanity has always seemed to be afraid of what remains unknown to us. The inability to look into the future and see an outcome, I think most of us would admit, scares us to death at times. We would much rather be able to see down the road and around the corner because we feel like that would better prepare us for whatever we're going to face in the near or distant future. But the inability to be able to do that causes us to have this inerrant fear of the unknown. And this particular fear, I think, is very real at your age right now because your life at this season is full of unknowns. What am I going to do with my life? Who or will I end up getting married? Uh, a little bit more personal, maybe for some of you. Will I graduate? Remains to be seen. It's a little bit of a struggle right now. Not sure if it's going to happen or not. Will I end up being able to graduate? When I get done, where am I going to live at? Your life right now, particularly in this season, is full of a lot of unknowns. And these three different passages that we just looked at, they all have an element of the unknown to them. And I think it's through these specific ones tonight that God is going to help us see how he breaks down our fear of the unknown. A lot of times our fear of the unknown is fed by the reality of a situation like Abraham's when we realize that I don't know where I'm going. And I think a lot of you can relate to this as well. I'll say that again. I think a lot of times our fear of the unknown is fed by the reality of a situation like Abraham's when we realize I don't know where I'm going. In Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham to leave the only place that he had ever known. He called him to take family with him, but he also called him to leave family behind, to leave friends behind, to leave 
comfort behind, to leave familiarity behind. Abraham had lived in this same place for 75 years. Imagine being 75 years old, having lived in the same small, quiet little country town your entire life, where everybody knows everybody, where you know every single street name, where you know every single coffee shop, convenience store, grocery store, hardware store, all these different things that Abraham would have been accustomed to, and God asked him to pick all of his stuff up and leave. For most of us, that would be terrifying, having to leave somewhere that we had known for the entirety of our lives. And not just to leave, but to set out traveling to an undisclosed location. Abraham, I want you to leave, but I'm not going to tell you exactly where you're going. Abraham left by faith, but I can promise you that he had some fear of all that was unknown. I can imagine Abraham in his mind thought, well, where exactly am I going? When exactly am I going to get there? What exactly are me and my family going to encounter along the way? Abraham is he's traveling, but there's seemingly no destination. And I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you feel like you're traveling without a destination, but it's kind of an empty, hopeless feeling. Most of us, when we set out from point A, we're headed towards point B. Abraham was just leaving point A. Point B had never been set. He's traveling, but there's seemingly no destination. And I think a lot of you might have a fear of the unknown because you don't know where you're going. You're working towards a degree, but you don't know your career. You're looking for love, but you don't know if you'll actually find a spouse. You're trying to start your own life, but you don't know where you're going to end up living and settling down at. You're wanting to change jobs, possibly, but you're finding that you don't have any open options. Your fear of the unknown is being driven by the fact that you, in all honesty, have no clue where you're going. You're traveling, but there's no destination. And so now I begin to be filled with fear. Because I don't know where I'm going. But the good news is, this is when God steps in with the assurance that you will be shown. You will be shown. When he told Abraham to leave in Genesis chapter 12, he said, leave and go to the place that I will show you. Go to the place that I will show you. Even though Abraham was going to a place that was unknown, what was known is that he would be shown. God says, I promise I will show you the place that I'm going to take you. And God even reassured him of this later on in Genesis chapter 15. So if you've got that marked, make your way over to Genesis chapter 15 right here. And I'm going to jump around in this chapter a little bit. So we're going to start in verse 1. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So Abram has left his home and he's been traveling for a little bit. And I'm sure that that anxiety of the unknown of I don't know where I'm going has begun to creep back up in his life a little bit. And it says that the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, fear not. Now let me assure you of something. God does not speak without purpose, nor does he speak aimlessly. If God felt the need to speak to Abram, fear not, I can promise you it's because fear was evident in Abram's life. But he says, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very 
great. Now skip down to verse 7. And he said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, Abraham says back to God, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And God said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these and cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. Now skip down to verse 12. Now as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And the Lord said to Abram, know for certain. Key, key phrase. That your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. And will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth gener generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces, symbolizing the presence of God. On that day the Lord made a covenant or a promise with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephium, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. I hope you noticed, because I did my best to try and point it out to you, God saying these words to Abraham, know for certain. The greatest thing that you can be given in the unknown is certainty. God says, know for certain that I will show you the place where you're supposed to be. Now listen to me. That doesn't mean the process of being shown always happens quickly. A lot of times it is a long, drawn-out, patient, faith-involving process. What you're going to do for a career, whether or not you'll end up finding a spouse or not, where you'll make a life for yourself, all that may seem unknown for a while. And I can't tell you how long it will last, but you can know for certain that if you faithfully and obediently follow God, He will show you eventually. When I was working at Southwire, right after I got out of college, I was just like a lot of you people are going to be when you get done. You graduate with a degree, and then you realize all of a sudden, I don't think I want to do that. And so then the search begins to... Fill the void. What am I going to do? i got to find something, right? Pressure from your parents, pressure from your friends. Okay, you're done with college. You're still living in our house. But once you get done with college, you're supposed to be an adult. And you get a job, and you move out, and you start your own life. And so I'm trying to get to that place. And so I got a job in industrial park working at Southwire. And it was during this time I really began to pray and seek and ask God like I never had before of where he wanted me to be. I don't know where I'm going, in other words. I have no idea. And I was working night shift for about a year and a half over at Southwire, and I'm sitting on a forklift one morning, it's about 2 a.m., and things had actually slowed down a little bit, so much to the point that I was kind of dozing off and on on my forklift, and I remember waking up, and I began praying to God and asking the same thing I'd been praying time and time again, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want my life to go? Where do you want me to plant my feet and serve you at? And I hadn't had an answer in the year that I had been praying that since I had been there. But that night at 2 a.m., sitting on that forklift, God spoke direction into my life. And I didn't know the process of how I would end up getting there. All I know was that He showed it to me. And what I'm trying to give you guys encouragement in is that you might spend a lot of time of your life 
seeking and asking and searching, wondering what's going to happen, not knowing exactly where you're going. But if you keep pressing into God, if you keep asking Him to make it known, if you commit to following Him faithfully and obediently with whatever He wants to bring into your life, He will show it to you. He made a promise to Abraham. That's a key word I want you to hold on to for a moment. Promise. Hold on to promise for a minute. You know, sometimes our fear of the unknown is fed in situations like Joshua's where we look around and realize, I don't know where I'm at. Joshua chapter 3. I don't know where I'm at. At this point in the passage that we read earlier, Joshua and the people are on the verge of entering the promised land, which was a place where their previous fear of the unknown had actually kept them out of for 40 years. Let me tell you, fear will keep you in place when faith is wanting to move you forward. That's the issue with fear. And that's why we're entering into this series and trying to push it back in our lives because fear is keeping a lot of us as believers in place when faith is wanting to move us forward into new and better territory. Their previous fear of of going into this land had kept them out of it for 40 years, but now they're in a position where they're getting ready to go in. But the issue is they had never been this way before. It was uncharted territory for them. They were in a place that was unfamiliar, unmapped, unnavigated. Quite frankly, it was just unknown to them. Once again, I can assure you there was some fear among the people when they were getting ready to go into this place and trying to understand how exactly is this going to happen. We've gotten to where we're going, but we don't exactly know where we're at because we've never been here before. And there's a lot of big people, there's a lot of big cities, there's a lot of big stuff in that place, and I don't know exactly how this is going to fall into place. I don't know how, God, you're going to exactly work all this out. I'm sure that fear began to creep back in 40 years of what had kept them out of that place. I think some of us here tonight have fear of the unknown because you don't know where you're at. You might have a small idea of where you're going, But now that you've gotten to that place, you don't know exactly where you're at, perhaps. And I think it looks different in a lot of different ways. I think it looks like this. You're facing unemployment for the first time. You've never been there before. You don't know how to handle that situation. Maybe you or a family member are battling a disease that your family's never had to deal with before. By some miracle of God, nobody in your family has ever been infected by cancer, but now all of a sudden somebody's been given a diagnosis, and you've never been here before. You've never dealt with this kind of issue before. Somebody's going through a divorce. Somebody in your family might be going through a divorce. Your parents might be experiencing a divorce, and you've never been here before. You've never had to deal with this. You've never seen these people talk to each other like that. This is uncharted territory for you. Some of you are in a sharp agreement with your parents that you have never been upset with in your life, and it's strange to you. It's unfamiliar. It's uncharted. You've never navigated through those issues before, and and none of it feels right. You don't know where you're at. You don't know which way to go. Whatever it is, you've never been this way before. You're scared to death because you don't know what's going to happen. And you don't know which way to go. But that's when God steps in and brings the assurance that you will be given direction. You will be given direction. Go into Joshua chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 3 here in just a moment. God told the people to remain a certain distance behind the ark. So let's look at it. Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 3, says to Joshua, Command the people, and as soon as they see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. 
Yet there shall be a distance between you and it about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. God told the people to stay 2,000 cubits behind the ark. In other words, stay approximately half a mile behind the ark of the covenant, which was symbolic of God's presence going before them. Why? So that they would know the way they were supposed to go. God was giving them his assurance that he was going to direct them, that he was going to guide them into and through the place that they had never been before. If you were to go back into the first chapter of Joshua and look at verse 9, God's word says this while he's speaking to Joshua specifically. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. All they needed to do was stay in a position where they could see His presence. Listen, for those places that you've never been before, when you're facing that diagnosis, when you're facing that disease, when you're facing that sickness amongst yourself or amongst a family member, and you've never been in that place before, when your family is going through some form of strife or disagreement or argument or deception or disruption, when you see someone going through a divorce or if you've experienced that yourself, when you find your place, when you find yourself in a place of unemployment, when you've been the model employee for the entirety of your life, and now all of a sudden your job is taken away from you, whatever adversity it is that you're facing, you don't know exactly where you're at. God will give you direction if you stay in position to see His presence. God's specific instruction to these people was to stay a half a mile back. Why? Because that gave them the perfect line of sight to be able to see Him directing their path into the promised land. But listen, you cannot adequately follow somebody that you are standing beside or in front of. And so when you find yourself in a position where you don't know where you're at, the worst thing that you can do is try to get even or ahead of God and where He's taking you. And I really, really hope you get I hope you're getting it. If we go back to Joshua chapter three and we skip down to verse 10, I want you to see something interesting here that sounds really familiar to Abraham's encounter with God. It says, And Joshua said to the people, Here is how you shall know. I said earlier, the greatest thing that you can be giving during times of the unknown is certainty. Joshua says this, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that He will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe of man, when the soles of the feet of the priests buried in the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Time and time again, God directed Joshua and these people in their conquest of a place where they had never been. Time and time again, whether it was at the very beginning with him splitting the Jordan so they could cross over, whether it was him leading them into victory in the city of Jericho with the first people that they encountered during their conquest, time and time again, God directed their past so that they experienced victory and triumph 
and conquest over the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, whatever else you want to add into it. God, time and time again, gave them victory in that place. And he says, this is how you shall know. I said earlier I wanted you to hold on to promise. Now I want you to hold on to proof. Here's your proof. I don't know where I'm at. But if you stay in a position where you can see God's presence, you will be given direction. And then sometimes our fear of the unknown is fed by a situation like Paul's, where we look ahead and realize, I don't know what will happen. Acts chapter 20, in the passage that we read earlier, Paul is in Asia. And he feels this strong urging by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And he makes this statement, oddly enough, in verse 22. He says, Now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Paul makes a statement that he doesn't fully know exactly what's going to happen to him when he gets there, but it probably won't be anything too good, is his assumption. But the interesting thing is, is that Paul doesn't really seem to have any fear of the unknown that's ahead of him. But I think a lot of us are scared because we don't know what's going to happen ahead of us. If we make that job change if we end that relationship if we change that major at this point in time if we surrender to that call of God upon our lives we began to be filled with fear considering those options because we don't know what's going to happen if we move forward in that we can't see exactly what the outcome is going to be. And so our lives begin to be filled with fear of what's unknown in the future ahead of us. Paul says, I, I don't know what will happen to me there. But that's when God steps in once again and gives us the assurance that you will experience deliverance. In 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, the same guy, Paul, is writing to the church in Corinth. And when he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem, at that time he had been in Asia. And listen to what he says at a previous time to the church in Corinth, starting in verse 8. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. Paul didn't fear what might happen in his future. And I can give you one key reason why because he knew God would deliver him regardless of what his future held for him even if he was killed 
as he's writing to the Corinthians, he says, God raises the dead. And whether you know this or not, when Paul made his way to Jerusalem, he ended up being killed while he was in that place. But he already had this hope. He already had this assurance that even if my life is to be taken from me, my God delivers me from death. And so my hope is set upon that. His hope was set on the God that he knew would bring deliverance. Listen, I don't know what's going to happen with this virus. I don't know what's going to happen with this election that's coming up. I don't know what's going to happen if God tells me to move. I don't know what's going to happen in the future if God tells me to stay. But I know that I will be delivered to the other side of whatever unknown is ahead of me. And God brings that same assurance into your life as well. As believers, when you look around and you're not sure about the future and what the outcome is, and you say, I don't know what's going to happen to me there, God's assurance speaks and says you will experience deliverance of whatever it may be that you encounter. Even if, worst case scenario, it's death. Those of us who have, by faith, placed our lives in the hand of Jesus, He raises you from the dead. There is nothing in this world that can harm those of us who belong to Christ. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I will experience deliverance. You know what that sounds like to me? Paul says, on him we have set our hope. You know what hope is? Hope is peace for facing the future. I want you to hold on to peace. Some of us I know here tonight, you're battling with the fear of all these things that are unknown in your life. But I want you to be encouraged. Because through God, our fear of the unknown can be driven back. Because we know that even if we currently don't know where we're going, we will eventually be shown. Even if we don't know where we're at, we will be given direction. And even if we don't know what will happen, we will experience deliverance. And on top of all that, here we go. Peace is what we have because there's proof that God always keeps promise. I don't fear an unknown situation. I don't fear an unknown circumstance. I don't fear an unknown future when my hope and my trust and my faith are set upon a known God. And I want you to have that kind of assurance. I want your fear of the unknown starting tonight begin to be driven back by the fact that you know God. And when you know God, you don't have to fear what's unknown. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for His glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.